0: Deep below the surface of a poisoned world, a dead and desolate place long abandoned, there is life. The Low City, a simple name for something so significant, is the last known bastion of civilization in an empty land, a place where the remaining people of what once was must struggle together to survive, and perhaps more. Their forms are varied, Their societies all but incompatible. Their futures bleak. Hot and cramped and utilitarian, the low city is not a place of beauty. Its people will never again see a blue sky above their heads. Feel the cool breeze on their skin. Those who have skin. They live in a world that will always be less than it once was. And yet they struggle on. Because if nothing else, struggling on is what people do. Let me tell you about them. All the varied peoples of the Low City have their own eccentricities. Every different type of resident is unique in their own ways, some major and some less so. The Hohe Float The skittling's burrow, most lesh, leave such physical activities to their machines. Like any other Low City residents, the golna are unique. But the most unique trait they possess is possibly the most simple of all. The sheer fact that they do not live in the Low City at all. You may think that this is not so unique. There are hohi, after all, who do not live in the Low City. But it is a different matter for the Golner, and admittedly, this trait is also based in a technicality. The Golner do live in the Low City, but also they do not. And this is quite certainly very different to how some Hohi live in the city and some do not. The area where the vast majority of Golner spend their lives is known to non golner as the Nest, it is known to Golner as Golner because, in their view of the world, there is little reason to make a distinction between their territory and themselves. The nest existed before the Low City did, dug into the soil near the subterranean reservoir by creatures from which the Golner of today evolved. It is only in recent centuries that contact was made, ...as conditions on the surface drove the Golner to burrow deeper and then spread out in all directions. Some may debate whether or not the Nest is part of the Low City or merely a close neighbour... ...and indeed relations with the Golner are more along the lines of diplomacy between nations than municipal discourse... ...handled in the vast majority of instances by Lesh diplomats on behalf of the Low City as a whole. However, here at the end of the world... People in the Low City tend to think of the Low City as synecdoche for the whole world, anyway. There are Golner who never set claw within the main body of the Low City at all. But even those who spend the majority of their lives within its tunnels are also elsewhere, in a way. A way that neither you nor anyone else in the Low City can ever fully grasp. Perhaps you could say that, while their bodies are within the Low City, their minds are elsewhere. Perhaps you could say that they do not have minds at all in the way that most would describe them. Many in the Low City are of this opinion, comfortably assuming that the Golner are a more organic form of the automata that the Lesh use, and never really thinking to look much deeper than that assumption. And again, perhaps it is not so misguided an assumption. But it is an assumption based in other, more faulty assumptions. The fact is, they simply lack a frame of reference from which they can comprehend the true nature of the Golner. Once, the Golner were not unlike what you would think of as ants, simple creatures whose actions were dictated by pheromones and chemical trails with no minds of their own. That was a long time ago. Now they're not much like ants at all. The average example of what most low-city residents think of as golner drones has a two-part abdomen with a broad back, a head half as long as their abdomen, which features compound eyes and articulated antennae, and six legs. For the most part, that will sound familiar, although one may note that the body of an ant should have three sections, not two. There are many key differences, however. Most immediately obvious is their size, A drone may grow as much as six feet long, and nearly a foot tall, although this would be a large example. Another obvious but worthwhile aspect is that, similar to the relationship between fallen and the things you would call birds, the golno still exist, whereas the things you would call ants most likely do not in this world. While ants have been known to engage in minor acts of food cultivation, the golno are far more ambitious. It is rare to see a golner without some tool or another strapped across its back, as it is rare in the main parts of the Low City to see a golner who is not there with purpose. Their minds are far superior to that of their ancestors in that way, but in another far more significant, but far, far harder to explain, and much less understand. Because the mind of a golner, depending on one's definition, may not be entirely its own. Again, many Low City residents assume that the Golner behave as a Hive, in that they possess a central controlling intelligence. A queen, in other words. Others, with a more complete, but still far from complete, idea of the truth, think of them as more akin to a colossal difference engine. Each drone is simply a cog in a machine, with no real agency or identity of its own. With the Hive, as a whole, acting purely logically, based on the inputs it receives from the outside world. In fact, there is a minor controversy among Umbresi and Lesh historians over which came first, the Lesh theory or the Umbresi technology of the difference engine, with one side arguing that the theory was born out of comparison to the technology and the other that the technology was inspired by the nature of the Golner. It is not difficult to imagine which group of people tends to be on which side. However, both are based in the belief that this is how the Golner function at all, an incomplete understanding of the situation. The Golner are not an unthinking, organic machine, and they are not controlled by some omniscient queen. They are a hive mind of sorts, but more than a hive mind. Or perhaps each individual Golner is more than just a member of a hive mind. Each individual golner is linked, although that is an inadequate word for the depth of the connection they have. Each individual golner is their own person with their own personality, although that discredits the importance of their connection with their fellows. And in what may be the most crucial aspect of the golner mind, but is certainly the hardest to grasp, that specificity of self is malleable almost modular part of every golner's mind is always elsewhere in a collective realm conjured by their collective will this realm confusingly is known as golner as it is such an intrinsic part of the golner way of life that they see no reason to consider it as separate from the golner themselves this lack of distinction has naturally, contributed to the difficulties non-golner have in understanding the Golner mind. As such, non-golner have taken to calling it the runlog, which isn't particularly imaginative, but it does the job and is the term which will be used here. Within this runlog, the lines and edges of Golner become blurred, hazy, irrelevant. It is a place where the boundaries that divide can be must be shed, giving way to a sort of euphoric collectivism. At any given moment, a Golner individual may tend more or less towards its individual or collective selves, striking a momentary balance between its specific self and the Golner as a whole, as their inclination or the situation demands. It is all but impossible to determine the intellect of a single Golner. As who could really say where the individual ends and the collective begins? And few have ever tried, because few even know that this dichotomy exists. And the Golner themselves don't even understand the question. To them, living solely as an individual is as incomprehensible a concept as their situation is to most others. It must be so lonely, so limiting. Some would go so far as to say they... Pissy, the single-minded, wondering how they can possibly live such a small life. Each Golner's relationship to the Runlog is unique, but while it is commonly accepted wisdom that it is impossible to wholly disconnect from the Runlog, there are those who obfuscate parts of themselves from the collective. They retreat into themselves, hiding parts of their cognition from the rest of their species, This is somewhat more than frowned upon, and there is no way to conceal the concealment, as every other golner can inherently tell when another is holding back. It is somewhat akin to being known as a perjurer in other societies. Those who hold back parts of themselves from the Runlog are not to be trusted. Not exactly ostracized, but worthy of distrust, as only those who have done something worth concealing would do so. For the most part, this has little material effect on the lives of those who choose to live this way. But today is an exception. Because today, there has been a murder in the nest. Murder among the Golnar is rare for a number of reasons. For starters, having a mental connection to those around you tends to lead to the sort of enhanced empathy that precludes such violent acts. Then there is the increased likelihood of getting caught. One must be very certain of their ability to kill swiftly before attempting to kill someone who can broadcast their identity to the rest of their species. And yet a body has been found. A young male, recently assigned a role as a waste recycler, now found dead in a little trafficked region low in the nest. It was a quick death, no doubt. A puncture in the back of the head, piercing directly through the exoskeleton and into the vulnerable nerve center beneath. Quick enough, judging by the fact that no golner knew of his death until the body was found, that he had been unable to broadcast his fate into the run log. There is a murderer in the nest, and within moments of the body's discovery, every golner knows it. But the knowledge of who the guilty party is does not follow. That information is not in the run log, a gap in the fabric of Golnir knowledge as keen and devastating as the hole in the victim's head. It is disconcerting, disquieting. The search for the guilty party begins swiftly, and the Golnir method of investigation is as precise and brutally efficient as the hole in the victim's head. Across the Runlog, the word is spread that all Golnir who have hidden parts of themselves to the Runlog are to be rounded up. Their secrets will be secret no more. In one of the largest chambers in the nest, the secret holders gather. There is no point in fleeing as there can be no hiding. Their very nature makes them stand out like a bonfire in the dark. Soldier Golner guard the exits as a precaution and as a simple but effective display of the consequences for failure to cooperate. All present know what is to happen here. After all, it is written into the run log. All present must confess by letting their mind fully reconnect with the run log, releasing the memories they had sought to hide into the collective consciousness, including, theoretically, the memory of the murder. If the murderer confesses, then all will be allowed to keep their secrets, although often this experience will scare them into letting down their walls anyway. If the murderer does not reveal themselves willingly, however, then the gathered secret keepers will one by one, be interrogated. While the old systems of pheromones and chemical communications may have fallen by the evolutionary wayside as the Runlog became their primary method of communication, the Golner still possess the highly sensitive sensory organs necessary to receive such signals. And now they are turned against the secret keepers. One by one, The suspects are subjected to an overwhelming sensory onslaught, buffeting them with every signal, every emotion, every instruction that could be imagined. The most primal parts of their minds recoil at the overload, exposed to sensations that have not been felt in generations. And, one by one, they open themselves fully to the run-log. None can withstand the torment for long, and many are so terrified at the sight of their fellow's suffering that they give in before their torment even begins. The Runlog fills, momentarily, with the whispers and echoes of suffering. Not the sensations themselves, mercifully, but the after-effects, the deep emotional outpouring that results. Many in the nest are tempted, paradoxically, to shut themselves off from the Runlog until the interrogation is over, but they resist the urge partly because they fear that doing so would bring suspicion upon them, and partly because they know this is the price they must pay for the suffering of their kin. This is not a thing that is lightly done, but nor is it done with regret. It is what must be done to find the murderer. One by one, the suspects opened their hearts to the collective, revealing the things that they had suffered so dearly to protect. Thieves, adulterers, frauds. They will all pay eventually for the crimes they confess to today, but for now there are more dire things to learn. But once the final suspect gives in, revealing his secrets to the runlog, and the echoes of suffering mercifully end, they are replaced with a disquiet even greater than that which met the interrogations. Because despite the many confessions that were felt today, not one of them was a confession of murder. The killer was not among the Golner, who concealed part of themselves from the Runlog. Justice has not been done. Theories abound as to how this could possibly be the case. Perhaps the killer killed themselves from the guilt, in some location where their body has not yet been found. Perhaps the killer was not Golner at all, but some other villain who somehow snuck deep into and out of the nest without being detected. There are suggestions, hastily retracted, that outside help might be brought into the nest, that the investigative methods of other low-city societies, or the collaborative efforts of the unifiers, might find something that the Golner themselves could not. Consensus is never reached, and answers are never found. The mystery of the killer will lurk in the corners of the run-log for many years to come, in much the same way that rumours claim the killer still lurks in the tunnels of the nest. A spectre that haunts both worlds, without shape, without reason. Perhaps the greatest tragedy of all, even greater than the death of that young Golner or the suffering of those accused, some of whom will feel the trauma of that day for the rest of their lives, is that it was all for nothing. The Golnar were never going to find the killer, in no small part because of their very nature. They are mistaken in their belief that fully shutting out the Runlog is impossible, but in a way they are not mistaken. Severance is possible, but one cannot sever their connection with the Runlog and remain Golner. This is something most Golner only discover in the absolute depths of despair, as they feel the presence of all their people and see a future where all they feel from that connection is hate and disgust. It is only in that moment that they find within themselves the capacity for... Annihilation. Very, very few have ever come back from that ledge. And the killer is not one of them. She lashed out at her lover in an act of passion and rage, and regretted it far too late... And so, in a final act of despair, she severed herself from the rest of her kind. And as it turns out, from her own mind. A golner without the Runlog is... incomplete. They are no longer the thinking, feeling being that they once were. In fact, they are much more akin to the ant-like beings from which the golner evolved. Just a thing without thought... A machine that exists to eat and follow basic stimuli without knowing what they truly mean. In many ways, exactly what most other residents of the Low City already think the Golner to be. And as for why the killer was never caught in this state, despite being clearly incapable of hiding, there are two reasons. Firstly, Completely cut off from the Runlog as she was, she no longer registered as Golner to the senses of other Golnar she happened by. Golner used the Runlog to sense each other more than they know, and a Golner disconnected from the Runlog registers more as a topographical anomaly than a person, unless one really focuses hard. But there is another, far simpler reason why she was not caught. She left the nest. Not of her own volition, however. Shortly after she severed herself from the run log while mindlessly searching for food, the killer stumbled onto a pheromone trail. Not a completely uncommon occurrence, as even long after the advent of the run log, some pheromone signals are still used in limited circumstances. But this is not a trail left by those of the nest. It leads out of the nest, out into the low city where no golner will find her. She follows it, without knowing why, on and on, to an unknown destination. She doesn't wonder where she is going, or who laid the trail. She is just a beast of instincts now, all the passion and thought that led her to this state, irrevocably gone. Perhaps she will find her destination, eventually, if it exists. Perhaps not. But whatever happens to her, whether that destination is nearby or beyond the city's tunnels, in every way that counts, she is already long gone from the Low City. Tales from the Low City is created by Dom Guilfoyle. If you like it, please consider supporting me on Patreon and join the show's Discord. Keep living in this world. Let it live in you. Do what you like with it.